The Sunday School video for today will continue our lessons on the parables of Jesus. Jesus, my Savior, what do you ask of me? To follow in thy footsteps and never from you flee. I will serve you till forever and be always close to some of the parallels between Jesus and Moses, or if you kind of want to word it like this, between Jesus and the entire nation of Israel during the time of Moses. We've seen that Matthew's gospel points out some of these very specific uh, kind of parallels between these two. We find out from even within uh, the birth narrative in, in Matthew's account of Jesus's birth, uh, the, the statement is made that out of Egypt I've called my son. And that was, that was a quotation talking about the nation of Israel during the time of Moses. That already combines these two stories and allows us to compare Jesus with Moses and also the nation of Israel. But the, the parallels continued, though. We also looked at how after Israel went out of the land of Egypt, they crossed through the Red Sea, didn't they? Well, Jesus, what he did was he was baptized in the Jordan River. We also saw that just like Israel endured a time of temptation in the wilderness, Jesus himself endured a time of temptation in the wilderness. And then we also uh, now are coming to a, another element. This element is that, that while they were in the wilderness, they went to a certain mountain, the Mount Sinai, and there they received the covenant of God. There they received what we call the law of Moses. Well, in the New Testament, we have a similar type events, but yet it's different. It's whenever Jesus went on to a mountain, but this time he delivered a sermon. He himself is the one who delivered the law. The first time it was God on Mount Sinai. Well, this time it's Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. That's what we oftentimes call it. Now, in case you're kind of thinking that maybe I'm kind of stretching it a little bit, which, you know, you, you might think that this is a little bit of a stretch, but I just want us to see that this, this story continues in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. 
And I do want to tell you a few things about a phrase that shows up. There's a phrase that when translated would be that, uh, that uh, he went up onto a mountain. And that phrase actually appears a couple dozen times uh, in the Old Testament. And a little more than half of those times that it appears that went up onto a mountain, that phrase, half of those uh, are connected with Mount Sinai. And then even more specifically than that, almost half of those, um, or rather pretty much all of those that talk about Mount Sinai, are also talking about Moses. So this idea about going up onto a mountain, it is closely connected with Moses. Of course, there's other people that that can be connected to, but it most certainly is connected with Moses. Well, it's not by accident that whenever Matthew records this Sermon on the Mount, he records that Jesus went up onto a mountain. But before we get into the content of what the Sermon on the Mount is, I want us to make sure that we are on the same page in the sense of that we are taking the words of Jesus very, very seriously. And to that, I want to read to you uh, just a passage from the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 28 through 31. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely do you think someone deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified them, and who has insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, It is mine to avenge, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. I don't read this passage to scare you. I read this passage just to show us how serious it is to take the words of God. Uh, and specifically here in this case, how serious of a matter it is to take the words of Jesus and to really take them to heart. And we see this passage right here. It kind of uh, tells us that, look, someone could die uh, under the law of Moses without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Well, what does that mean about us today? We don't live in the times of the law of Moses. Now it's a law of Christ. But in order for us to live in this time of the law of Christ, we need to understand how serious it is. We need to understand how important it is. And we need to understand how wonderful it is. We need to make sure that we recognize how great of a thing it is to be able to follow Jesus Christ. But in order to follow him, we need to know what he actually said. So let's dive into the Sermon on the Mount and let's see what Jesus actually spoke to us. The sermon begins like this in Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you falsely, and say all kinds of evil things against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets, who were before you. And with that, Jesus begins his sermon. He's laying this foundation and he is, he is proclaiming this new law, what really now God is expecting from his people. And to all of these statements here, we need to make sure that we take it to heart. We need to make sure that we, that we recognize what Jesus was saying 
whenever he spoke these words. He's telling us how we should live. So if you want to know how to follow Christ, how to follow the way of Christ, this sermon can get you well on your way in, in understanding what Jesus was all about and how we are called to follow him. Now, I will notice this, and I want to point this out before we, we uh, look at more of the content here. A, a great deal of this sermon, you know, much of this sermon is good advice. But I want to tell you this. See, people don't get crucified for just giving good advice. So within this message, we find out that, that Jesus not only gave good advice, he did that a bit, but he also, he gave more. He said more things than just some, some good advice. There's a lot of things that are stated in this Sermon on the Mount that people might quote to, you know, to one another. And even people of the world like these statements, even though they might recognize that, yeah, it could be hard to do it ourselves, but it's still good things. And what I mean by that is there's several times that Jesus tells us to love one another and, you know, to show love to people. And that's a great message, wonderful message, good advice. Is it difficult? Yes. Is it good advice? Almost everybody will agree that that's good advice. But Jesus's message was more than just that good advice. Because if you keep looking in this, you'll find out that, yes, he said some good things, like we need to love one another. But he also spoke a great deal about where our authority needs to come from now. In fact, many times in this sermon, what Jesus says is, he says, look, this is what you've heard or this is what you've read. But now I tell you this other thing. And he tells us even more about that. So as we look at some of the content of, of this lesson, and, and by the way, what I've done is I've just kind of picked a few different passages that I thought might be helpful to us uh, and might also relate with um, kind of specifically the, the nation of Israel during the time of Moses. So um, is there more to this sermon? Yeah, you know, I would recommend that, you know, you actually take some time with your family and read through the whole sermon if you would like to. It's Matthews uh, chapters five, six, and seven. But what we're going to do is we're going to see some of this good advice that Jesus gives. And we're going to see some of the, the reasons for which Jesus was actually crucified for. So right here we start off. Most people would count this as pretty good advice. Some, some pretty interesting things to learn. But there is more. Let's look at verses 17 through 20. Jesus said this. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. So in this passage, we see that, yes, now he's gone a little bit beyond just some good advice. Now he's telling us about authority. He's also telling us that he did not come to abolish the law or the prophets, but he came to fulfill them. That's very important. See, we live in a time in which the law has not been abolished, but it has been fulfilled. That's what Jesus said in Matthew 5, 17. Jesus himself, he spoke with his own authority. And this would make you not so popular with the current religious leaders. And we see that, that that's gonna even happen with Jesus. I mean, you notice that even within his sermon, one of the things he says to them is really, he, he raises a, a pretty high standard, a pretty high bar in which he expects his followers to try to live after. In verse 20, that he says, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teacher of the law, 
you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. So we need to make sure that we combine verses 20 and verse 17 together and recognize Jesus did not come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill it. Now, what that means for us is it doesn't mean that we can just sit around and say, oh, well, you know, all the law of Moses has been fulfilled. So, you know, we don't have to pay attention to it. No, because he tells us our righteousness has to surpass that of what we read in the law of Moses. That means that there needs to be some, some differences in our lives. There needs to be some holiness among the followers of Jesus Christ. Let's continue on reading. Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 through 48. Jesus said, You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now this statement, there's a little bit of a mix of some good advice. A lot of this is good advice. Even from a worldly perspective, it's good advice. But some of this goes beyond it because he says, this is what you've heard before. But I tell you something different, but I show you a new way. That's what Jesus invites us into, this new way of following Christ. You, you might wonder about how high that bar is. Verse 48 says, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly father is perfect. That's what we're called to be. We're called to be holy. We're called to be holy like our heavenly father is holy. We're called to be perfect like our heavenly father is perfect. Now I know that you're probably thinking, well, I couldn't possibly do that. That's not as much the point. The point is that you strive to do that, that you try to be exactly like your heavenly father. That's what we all need to be doing. We all need to be striving to be like our heavenly father. But there's still more in this sermon. There's a lot more in this sermon. Let's look at the next chapter. Matthew chapter six, verses 19 through 21. Jesus says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. And where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He's trying to get us to see that this kingdom that we are a part of, this way of following Christ is gonna be different. It has much less to do with the things of this world and much more to do with the things of heaven, of where God is and what God is involved in. That's where our treasure needs to be. That's where our heart needs to be. In fact, Jesus will continue on in this chapter and he'll say things like this. In verse 25, he says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? And he goes on and he gives examples about how people do. They, they worry so much about their life, about their food, about their body, and, and all these other things. But he shows us a better way. In verses 33 and 34, Jesus tells us, don't worry about our life. Don't worry about those things. Don't focus on those things. But what do we need to focus on? 33 and 34. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And the next chapter continues on and shares with us so much more also about the way of following Jesus Christ. 
In Matthew chapter 7, we find out connected to the same thought of what we, what we just looked at in the previous chapter. Matthew 7, verses 7 through 12, Jesus says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. By the way, you'll notice within this Sermon on the Mount, some very famous passages. This right here, you know, uh, especially verse 7, reminds me of a song, you know, about seeking first uh, these things. and then. Uh, how if we ask, those things will be given to us. If we knock, then the doors will be opened. Combines the previous passage and also this one as well. But the thought is still the same. Where our focus needs to be is upward. About what Jesus Christ is about. About what our Father is about. Then he also makes this example and shows us how great our Father will, will treat us. And how wonderful he will uh, give us these good gifts. The things that, that we need whenever we simply ask him. And he also tells us in verse 12, this is what, what is stated as, as the golden rule. So in everything do to others what you would have them do to you. This sums up the law and the prophets. So if you want to know what the law and prophets were all about, right here, here it is. Do to others what you would have them do to you. Now that right there, it's some good advice, but it's also more. It's our way of life in Jesus Christ. There's still more in this chapter, though. Some really good passages, very familiar passages. The next one uh, shows us the, 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 the need to follow in this way of Christ. Verses 13 and 14, Jesus says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. That's the way that we need to find. We need to seek that way. We need to find that way. Jesus Christ will help us. Our Heavenly Father will help us. All we need to do is ask. Part of the Sermon on the Mount also includes warnings about what we need to be doing with our time. Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23, we find such a warning. Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. This passage, yeah, we can look at that. We can think, oh, well, this is, this is a negative thing that, that our Lord is doing. But what I want us to see is really what God asks us to do is to follow his will. In fact, that's what he says in verse 21. That it's not just about calling out to God. It's more than that. It's about actually having faith in God. About actually having faith in Jesus Christ and trusting in him. And doing the will of my Father who is in heaven. That's what we need to be doing. We need to be doing the will of our Heavenly Father. The Sermon on the Mount, it ends with this wonderful parable. This wonderful story that never gets old. And we need to constantly be living this out in our own lives today. Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 29. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice 
is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. We need to take this lesson to heart. We need to take this sermon to heart. We need to make sure that we keep our focus upward. We need to be following Jesus Christ on that narrow way that reaches to our Heavenly Father. We need to make sure that we are doing the will of our Heavenly Father. We need to make sure that we listen to these words and then do them and actually put them into practice, recognizing that Jesus is one who speaks of authority. Yeah, Mount Sinai was great whenever the law of Moses was given to the nation of Israel. But the law of Jesus Christ that was delivered on the Sermon on the Mount, he laid down the law. He showed us how we need to live. Now, we just need to be people who are willing to do it. Let's make sure that we do it every single day. Listen to the words of Jesus and put them into practice. I stood gazing at the mountain Refreshed by the falling rain The yellow reminds me of sunlight Shake his talented hand.